Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and the good news has me all fired up. Today we're talking about a lost son, pig pods, and rising up to choose the path that leads to life. Marin's got a double dose of a resurrection party up in here, but before we end up like that guy, now that they've put on the finest robes, rings on their fingers, and sandals on their feet, let's grab the fattened calf and welcome in our favorite co-hosts of Questionable Reputation, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. Good day. Pig pods. Guys, I just finished a mint, and so my... <laughs> Mouth is all watery, and I wasn't sure I was going to get through that. You but, but you nailed it. it. Yeah, we did so it. I One think take. you should eat a mint every time. <laughs> One take. That was so smooth. <laughs> oh, guys, how Howdy. are you? What's new? Uh, What's new? I actually have a really good one. All right, good for me personally. So I posted about this, so maybe you saw it, but a huge moment for me happened the other day. Yeah. If you've followed this podcast for a long time, you know that I. Growth garden things, with your shirt off. Garden, <laughs> garden, <laughs> aspire to garden with my shirt off. Uh, don't have the physique for it yet, but you know that I like to grow things. Well, I had a huge milestone, something I've been like waiting to happen someday. Uh, and it happened on Friday. Oh. I ate one entire meal with like full nutrition and protein and fiber, all the stuff that you need. One entire meal entirely from stuff that I grew myself or harvested myself. And they weren't having chicken for dinner tonight. There was, there was fact, no, no chicken. chicken. Wow. Yes. That was very I, appropriate. I, I awesome. Am, wow. I Good am a job, vegetarian. Barry. So anyway, I grew. What was it? Well, it's going to sound gross just if like you don't kale like. kale leaves? Yeah, just, just a <laughs> pile of kale. There was kale involved. It was a, so there's this stuff that called amaranth. Have you ever heard of amaranth? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, like a, no. it's like a thickener, sweetener. Mm-hmm. No, thickener, sweetener, sweetener, thickener. <laughs> no, they're like little, they're like, it's like a quinoa kind of thing. Okay. They're, like little, they're like little seeds, little flower seeds that are like quinoa. Mm-hmm. All right. Look it up. No, I'm sure I'm you're, looking they, it up right now. you can use it for a bunch of things, uh, but you can kind of use like a quinoa and it's got like a lot of protein, a lot of minerals. Yeah. Apparently one cup of cooked amaranth, Tyler, you'll appreciate this. You get 105% of your daily recommended intake of, wow. of manganese. Well, yeah, I do appreciate that. How a did vital, you know? A vital nutrient. Wait a minute. <laughs> How would you know I would, would appreciate that? I just figured yeah. that's up your alley. So yeah. anyway, so I, I grew this stuff and I was like, you know, you can, you can make it like a porridge. Like you can like kind of cook it like quinoa and you could put stuff on it and you could go the sweet route or you could go the savory route. And so I. Yeah. What'd you do? Well, I was going to do like a, like a savory route with some fried eggs on there, you know, mm-hmm. and eggs for my hands, of course. And I thought I'd throw some greens in there, some, some red Russian kale, some, some bell peppers. I had some yellow and some okay. red bell peppers. And I had some, you know, little cherry tomatoes that I, I threw in there. But then I was like, ah, but I don't have any kind of like. I don't have onions or garlic this year. Yeah. That's not till next year. And then it hit me. I have leeks. I've been growing leeks, which I'm just now learning. What I don't they know. Even I don't like. know what like 80% of anything you just said. I know. I know. But I had leeks growing. And so that's like a very, it's kind of like a onion garlic kind of mix. Yeah. Mm, taste wise. And so I was like, wait, I could use that as my allium. So I ran out, grabbed allium. When was the last time you cooked something and you were like, wait, I could use that as my allium. <laughs> Think about how many meals start with fry up some uh-huh. onion, garlic and onions. add some garlic. Garlic yeah, and onions. Tell you. So those are alliums. So cool anyway. stuff. <laughs> That's a good one. So anyway, I, I fried it all up. I, I boiled the amaranth, made it, and I like straight up ate a meal and it was all stuff from my own farm. So I, anyway, yeah, big deal for me. That's it a was huge like, deal. It was like, a, it was a, it's a major milestone for me. Um, is that like the, the dream? Like that's the goal eventually is to only eat meals. No, well, 
if I went into this full time, maybe, but no, I, it's more just, I would like in general in my life to grow in my self-sufficiency yeah. and become a larger and larger percentage of my mm. calories. Was it tasty or was it just oh, like it's delicious? Sustenance. Yeah. No, it's really good. And if you like, the more you grow your own stuff, the more you realize how much tastier it is when yeah. it comes mm-hmm. straight out of the ground and you fry it up or eat it. It's so good. And that the eggs are much better and all yeah. that. So it was um, actually really good. I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know what leeks are. You know what a leek is? I mean, I, I potato I, leek soup. You've never had potato leek soup? No. It's like okay, so picture is it in picture a scallion, noodle? right? Picture a, a green onion. I know what they like, look. They like look like that, right? They're just big, like a big green onion. Yeah, yeah. It's but what does it taste like? Like, like a, a cross onion. between gr- onions and garlic. It's yeah, got kind of a garlicky onion taste to it. The problem is they're sandy. So you've got to really clean them really good. Yeah. The sandy? dirt, dirt kind of gets in the little. What's appealing about a sandy vegetable? <laughs> <laughs> nothing as long as you, well, nothing. I'll tell you. It's very appealing if you, if you rinse it well. Okay. That's what you got to do. It's got All a good right. flavor. I, I had a bad association with leeks because when my family <laughs> went to Europe back when I was in high school, we yeah. went on this little trip to France and we were in Belgium. We met with some like random missionary couple. I don't know who they were. They were very excited to give us something, which yeah. she was like, it's something from the Bible. And we're all like, what are you talking about? I guess leeks are in the Bible <laughs> yes, somewhere. Yes, they are. Uh, and so maybe in, in Egypt, the Israelites in Egypt, doesn't matter. And, and so she gave us this leek soup and it literally legit looked like just a soup made of hair, like human, oh my long goodness. human hair. And I don't want that from, from that <laughs> point until literally two weeks ago, <laughs> I thought leeks were disgusting, but two weeks no, ago, no. my yeah, anyway. favorite way to use leeks is to roast them with Brussels sprouts, Ooh. leeks and Brussels sprouts tossed together. Donkeys out of your chickpeas. <laughs> the leeks get really sweet and they're wonderful. Yeah. So anyway, the, here's why I like leeks now because they overwinter. So yeah. you can grow them through the year and then, Harvest them in January or February. Ooh. So you have access to like f- fresh food. Check that you know, out. Five years ago, we sat here. Yeah. And we said, we need to start a podcast. <laughs> Never did I imagine <laughs> that we'd be sitting here talking about leaks. People would come to Between Sundays for leak. Yes. Well, no, they expertise. come. They come for and the podcast. They trivia. leave for the leaks. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not coming back. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, that was That's my awesome. big. That was my big milestone. Uh, was was very, it just you, or can anybody vouch for how great of a meal this was? Just me. So you okay. have to take my word take for, your it. for it. All right. <laughs> I thought it tasted good. Yeah. Amaranth kind of kind of has like a nutty mm-hmm. t- taste to it. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. I looked yeah. it up. They make a Mexican candy with it that oh. I am familiar with. Oh, all right. This it's, sounds really exciting. Again, riveting pod, but. Mm. He partied hard. (laughs) (laughs) Got my amaranth candy. I'm ready to party. Wow. Wow. You're so trigger happy today. I told Marin today, I was like, I got some new sound bites. She said, because she preached last weekend. She said, I don't preach in sound bites. And I said, challenge accepted. You You have never pulled a sound bite of mine from any of my sermons ever. You have pulled sound bites from the podcast, but not from any of my messages. Here we are. Today that changes. (laughs) What's up? How are you guys? How are you, Marin? What's new? Um, I'm good. I'm just the past just two weeks <laughs> exhausted. That's what okay. I the past two weeks, uh, you've come in bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah, from directly from a concert. Correct. <laughs> so <laughs> you did that again today. I yeah, I guess technically Both times. Yeah, I one did. time from Cleveland last night from Chicago. Yes. Um, 
I was in Cleveland last week with my son and his girlfriend yeah. to see my son's like favorite, All-time favorite band. jazz fusion band. Yeah. Yes. And, and then, then last night, last night I was at the United Center to see your all time favorite to band. To see one of my all time favorite yes. bands. Yes. So how are you feeling? What was the experience like? You went by yourself. You said you were going to stop at a truck stop to, to sleep. That was the plan, but then I felt really good. So I just drove all the way home. <laughs> okay. hey, I go. pulled into my driveway at like 3.15 a.m. <laughs> and then all three of us had an eight o'clock meeting this yeah. morning. So oh, I'm, I'm not the brightest right now. I will say until, I mean, until just before this, I didn't know that that's what, what I don't I think I knew that you went to Chicago and they got in at 3 a.m. You didn't seem tired. Why? Thank you. You seemed very refreshed. I Maybe the concert was really good. Yeah, it was, it was fun. So this was a band that my mom really loved. That's mm. why I felt like I needed to go. And the last time I saw this band was probably in like 2001 or something, but it was with my mom. Oh, it's a band so, that's been around. Since the 70s. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Roxy all, original, Music. all original members? Um, Last night, yeah. So this was their 50th, like re- 50th anniversary of playing together as mm-hmm. a band. Cool. So yeah, it was really cool. I mean- You're wearing a sweatshirt. They were in their 70s. Yeah. Maybe even You're early grown 80s. Up boy. And still like packing out the United Center. Yeah. Like, wow. That's remarkable. That is pretty impressive considering I've never heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Tim about them earlier yeah. today, Tim Ayers, because Tim and I, we talk music all the yeah. time. Yeah. I knew if there was one person on staff mm-hmm. who would be excited that mm-hmm. I saw uh, Roxy Music last night. It'd be so, Tim. okay. So you, last week you went on an adventure with your son and his girlfriend. Correct. This time you went by yourself. Solo adventure. Is there, do you have a preference? Do you, like, what is, what is it like to go to a concert in the United Center by yourself? Um, um, it's, I think it's like the most Marin type fun <laughs> that you can have. Settle down. I was, I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm a lot of an introvert. I was so looking forward to just the car ride by myself. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was so looking forward to just four hours of silence or four yeah. hours of whatever music I want to listen so to. So it's for the trip. I love solo road trips. Yeah. I got really used to them when my mom was in the hospital mm. and you know, as much as whatever part of, part of my grieving was even grieving the loss of like all of that quiet and alone time. I had yeah. like eight hours at a time for sure. there and for back to just sit and mm-hmm. think about life or to pray or to process life. And mm-hmm. that was a pretty regular part of my life during yeah. those uh, years. So I don't know. It's just kind of something I don't do it very often, obviously, but it's mm-hmm. something I look forward to when I get a chance to you're like the travel most solo extroverted introvert I've ever met. <laughs> no, hey, no, no, no. Out, I just drink a lot of coffee. Introverts yeah. are a thing. I'm an yeah. outgoing introvert, but really you, you probably think of me as introverted though. Yeah. Yeah. But Marin, every time I turn around, you're like doing something new with a new group of people. I am. I yeah. do new things. Yeah. It's like, man, I'm, I'm glad I get the night off. Not me. I'm going to young adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just, yeah. That comes from a different place. That's yeah. not because I'm an extrovert. That's because I'm loyal to everyone <laughs> okay. and everyone. everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So how's like. How's life in the Marin Gaffrin household <laughs> these days? Jaden, we've, we, it's been a couple of weeks since we've checked in on him uh, in college. Desi, uh, you posted a photo this, I think 
last week of just like, this is a carbon copy of who you were at her age. Uh-huh. Like, is oh, everybody doing my okay? Goodness. Everyone's great. She had these like ripped up tights tucked yeah. into her combat boots this morning. Yeah. And I just love the girl so much. She is a carbon copy of me. Yeah. My goodness. My goodness. Now she's in her senior year and uh, she's working two jobs right now. Wow. And in her senior year, living her best life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay is going to school locally and so far he loves it. Yeah. And he think he's starting a new job within the next like week or two. So he's excited. Just, yeah. And Jed and I are trying to figure out how to cook for two, you know, mm-hmm. no one's home anymore. So yeah. just having to figure that out yeah. We're in this strange, strange phase of life. Yeah. Fewer leaks. Fewer <laughs> leaks. Necessary. Mm-mm-mm. Don't be like that guy. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, I, I need, I need help. Oh, all right. I'm ready with the advice. So I'm officiating a wedding in a couple mm. weeks, a month. And, uh, I like to meet with the couple ahead of time. Yeah. Just kind of get to know them. Sure. I meet with them one-on-one and then I meet with them as a couple. I'm not doing like official premarital counseling. Like someone else is doing that. I'm okay. doing the, Hey, let's talk about the ceremony and also tell me about your relationship. So I met with the bride to be first. Okay. And she tells me, I'm like, all right, tell me about your first date. She tells me. And uh, all right, full disclosure, it's my wife's brother who's getting married. <laughs> okay. Full friend, disclosure. Friend of the pod? No. All right. So we're, we're safe. Speak freely. <laughs> uh, all right. So I meet with his fiance and I'm like, tell me about your first date. Like whatever. And she said, she said some, she said something about their first date Um that I really want to share in the ceremony to basically roast him. Like he and I have a relationship where it's like, you can, you can do that. I'm going to roast him (laughs) in in the ceremony. But she said on the first date, he was so nervous to talk to her that one of the topics of conversation was his, his, his sister's cat, whose name is Oliver. Okay. He's, he says to Marissa, his not girlfriend, just met her going on a first date. He says to her, so my cat Oliver's getting pretty big. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Uh, so that's the story she gives me. And I think that's amazing. And I want to bring it up the ceremony. Yeah. Then I meet with him and I say, all right, here's what I know about your first date. And he denies it, <gasps> denies that he ever said it. Oh. And so I'm in a pickle. Yeah, you are. Do mm. I bring it up or do I acknowledge that he's calling his Bride to be a liar. A liar. <laughs> wow. Do you roast him or yeah. roast him to the point where it's yeah. actually painful? Did she say she wanted to roast him? No, but I think everybody's kind of expect, he and I have a relationship where that's kind of what the relationship is. Isn't and that I think your people- relationship with everyone you know? Yeah. So Pretty if you much. ask me to do your wedding, expect <laughs> hijinks. Uh, no, but like, I think people expect me to make some comments about him. In okay. like a funny way. Okay. So, and that's like the ultimate funny thing to me <laughs> that that's what so he, he would talk about on his he first say, date. Does he claim so, that? No, I was like super suave and had all these. No, great he doesn't claim that, but he's like, I never said that. I never said that. I just, I talked about, uh, he doesn't even remember or something like, he, yeah, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, do I, do I incorporate that or do I leave it out? Hmm. I mean, I would say leave it out unless there's a way that you can like artfully spin it so that it's at no one's expense and it's just plain funny. <laughs> I think it's going to be plain funny no matter what. <laughs> I, 
I could, you know, I could talk about like the question is is like is the fact that you would have to now be a, implying that he lies. That's right. Would that take it beyond roasting <laughs> into like, wow, you're actually disrespecting me on my wedding yeah, day? Yeah, exactly. That's my question, and yeah. I think if you have to ask the question, you don't do you it. You leave it out. <laughs> All right, TBD. You play it. I'll safe. let you know how it goes. <laughs> you leave it out. Uh, okay, because I, I thought maybe for a second I could be like, you know, marriage is based on truth and oh trust. Yeah, he and, uh, Go into it. <laughs> that is an option. That is absolutely something you could choose to do. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, that's what it, what, what I've been thinking. Marriage about is sharing moments together. Mm-hmm. And having completely different versions of what happened. That's right. That's what marriage is. Yeah. But you just yeah. confuse everybody by roasting her about Ooh. not wanting to talk about no, big then cats. I, then I'd be the bad guy. Then I would be, because <laughs> right. she's like an angel sent on earth. Uh-huh. And nobody has a negative thing to say about her. Gotcha. So yeah. So if I roast her, her, it's like, no good. Yeah. All right. Well. Who's this maybe, guy I think he is? Maybe you'll find something else to roast him about. Yeah. Well, I got a whole list. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Just what real quick, another thing I'm going to roast him about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, before Milo was born. Yeah. I was golfing with him and we were on hole number 18. Okay. What does that mean? Lots of the last hole. The last okay. hole. There, you, you play 18 holes of golf. We mm-hmm. were on hole number 18. I've been golfing with him for three and a half, four hours to this point. And he's about to tee off before me and he stops what he's doing and he goes, oh, uh, do you think if Milo was born with six fingers on his hand, you would keep the f- additional finger? Just, <laughs> and I said, why are you thinking about that now? He's like, I was thinking about that all through church today. And I just really want to know, would you keep the extra finger? So you play golf for four hours yeah, and, and he never he, brought it up. Maybe but he was like, <laughs> he was like, I don't know if this is the right time. <laughs> yeah. Was he just trying to throw you off so that no. he could win? No, he was probably winning way, like way long ago, <laughs> but he thinks it would be cool to keep the extra finger so that he could yeah. like, catch footballs better. Oh, but he had keep been, it. Not, that, not, that's not usually how that works. Yeah. Hmm. So he, he asked me that after four hours of not saying anything about it, but he said, I had been thinking about this all day and I've been waiting <laughs> to ask you anyways, I'm going to rest him about that too. That's just, that's different. I feel like that one's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Leave his wife out of it. Just <laughs> pick. Okay. Pick if you're going to ask, if you're going to ask about my son's hypothetical six finger, you ask on hole one, maybe two. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You don't wait till That's hole right. 18. That was before he was ever born. Yeah. too. It sounds like you have enough roasting yeah. material without having to involve the wife. Yeah. All right. Thanks. It's my professional there opinion. You go. I have You're officiated welcome, one wedding now, so yeah. that's that's my yeah. professional opinion. All right. Oh yeah, how'd that go? It was awesome. Yeah, we didn't talk about it. No, we didn't. But I did. Well, yeah, it's just been crazy. I officiated my first wedding mm-hmm. two Sundays ago. Then went to Cleveland. Then did yeah. the Red Rocks concert. Then there was a funeral. Whirlwind. And then I preached three times on Sunday. Three times. Yeah, twice in our services, and then once for merge. Oh, that's right. You guys are doing merge vids. Yeah, we yeah. are. Well, he did a video. I, I. So you went to merge and I'll be live. I'll be live on the 25th. So we are, Oh, next this week, this Sunday, this coming Sunday, I'll be there. See Marin, you could have done it on video, but you need to be around the people. No, I could not. So you went to merge. Such an extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could not have done it on video. Well, that's cool. But it was good that I was there. All right. So we, uh, we're here to talk about week three of hope month Mm -hmm. and Marin, you gave a wonderful sermon this past weekend about the, the, the parable of the lost son. Yes, yes. Luke 15. So love for you to kick us off and share what kind of your big idea was uh, heading into last weekend. Yeah. Um, 
most commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. That's how I always heard it. He partied hard. That's right. This son, he did. <laughs> he partied so hard. Um, no, my, we're, we're, we're in our third week of hope month. And I just had this very strong feeling that I needed to give our people a message of hope. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to fabricate it. Thank God I've got lots, lots. There was so much I had to cut out of this message. Stories just like the one I Mm -hmm. shared about my brother. But anyway, that was the big idea. Hope is alive because God is alive Mm -hmm. and trust that he's moving. He is moving and he's healing our broken world. So, you know, it's, I think it's one thing for God to be alive. I think, you know, if, if you go to church, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you, you have that that basic understanding, but God can be alive and static. He can be alive and not moving. Mm-hmm. But if he's both, if he is alive and he is intervening and his light is breaking through, mm-hmm. um, that just is like hope without limits. Yeah. So that was essentially the big idea. Um, mm-hmm. we, t- we can talk more about other ideas that came up in the message, the father, um, representing the heart of God and the father loving both of his sons. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the overall theme was just for both of his sons, for all of our sons and daughters, there is hope. Hope is alive because God is alive. Yeah. So I've heard, I've heard messages on this story. I mean, it's a very well-known story. So I had never, it's because of Grace Church that I now pay attention to things like the father was kind of generous from the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't like, the younger son got the short end of the stick. Like the father split his inheritance in a culture where that wasn't normal. Like usually, like you pointed out, the older son usually gets at least two thirds. Yeah. He would have gotten that anyway. What was, what was abnormal was that he didn't send this son away when he basically said, father, I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine right now. I don't want to have to sit around and wait for you to die. Yeah. The father should have, and, and would have sent him away yeah. or punished him, you know, for being so mm-hmm. disrespectful. But in Jesus's parable, the story that Jesus is telling us, mm-hmm. the father doesn't even react with anger, but he just gives the son what he's asking for. He, yeah. al- he allows him to walk away with his share of the inheritance, which would have been one third. Yeah. The younger son that is. And actually it says that, the father divided his inheritance between both sons. And so the older son would have gotten his two thirds inheritance, but he's dutiful. You know, he's the hardworking stays back at the house, work in the fields, you know, didn't take that inheritance and run off and squander it like the younger son did. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I thought it, I thought divide his wealth. I read that as like, he split it. Mm. You get half, you get half. So I felt like he, I read into it like he's being more than generous. Yeah, no. And I said the the thing about the two thirds because in my mind that that plays into what the young, what the older brother does later on in the story. He's talking about how he's a slave and I've slaved yeah. away for you all these years when really he just inherited two thirds of his father's wealth. Yeah. He, he got the, the lion's share yeah. of the inheritance, but he's so put out, he's so indignant that he, he belittles all of that. You never even gave me one young goat 
well, he just gave you two thirds of everything right. he owns, but you're standing here saying he never even gave me one young goat. So it just goes to show his state of mind in that moment. Yeah. yeah. A spirit of poverty. Yeah. Not of yep. abundance. He sees the the feast for the younger brother's return as this extravagant waste. Right. And like, he doesn't deserve it. Why would you waste all of your stuff on that when you could, I don't know, hoard your wealth and not do anything with it? But yeah. that's, that's his mentality. Yeah. Like, and I was perfect. I did everything you right. asked me to do and you never even gave me a goat. Right. And the father says, look, all that I have is yours. Mm-hmm. All that I have is yours, which is an abundance mentality, but he doesn't have it. Yeah. Right. Right. So in prep- preparing for this sermon, um, obviously you made it very personal. Like you introduced your brother to Grace Church. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what was challenging about this for you? I feel like this is like a peek behind the curtain, but usually mm-hmm. the week before the podcast or the week before you preach, on the podcast, we like stay extra long. So you can be like, guys, I don't know. I, I, I need some help with what I'm doing and I don't know how I'm going to get it all done and whatever. Yeah. But last week you were like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Is that just a byproduct of you doing it a bunch, like getting more reps or. Or did what, it just click this yeah, time? What, what yeah. What was different about this? Well, sermon? I shared a little bit about it. First of all, it, I did struggle a lot because of everything I just said, I had my very first wedding that I was officiating and a funeral and all of the other things. So I am the kind of person that likes to complete one task Mm -hmm. and then move on to the next task. Mm -hmm. And when all of the tasks get piled up at the same time and I don't have the option of let's finish this wedding first and then I'll get to this message. Mm -hmm. That's when I just feel so buried and so overwhelmed. So there were definite moments of, Oh my goodness. I don't know how I'm going to get this all done, but I guess I'll just get it done somehow. So I felt that, but content wise, I knew where I was going. And I mentioned this in the, in the message, I knew where I was going week one of our hope month series. Barry, it was your first Uh, time back in the pulpit after being on sabbatical and you were talking about representing our ones to God and how we represent God to our ones. Yeah. Um, That was my biggest takeaway from the message you gave that day is just what it means to be an ambassador and an ambassador goes both ways. I don't just represent God to the, the person who is lost, but I also in turn represent that lost person back to God. And I wasn't kidding. The moment where we had our congregation mm-hmm. come forward for essentially an altar call and write down the names mm-hmm. or or name. I think we said write down the name of one person yeah. that you're going to yeah. be praying for. But I saw people, including my own mother-in-law, write down multiple names. Right. Because people have more than just one one. Sure. Many yeah. of them do. Now, some people don't even have a one, but some people have Many. multiple yeah. people they know that are separated from God. Mm-hmm. And I was singing, I cut all this part out of, out of the message. I was singing a song that was already emotional to me. It was Tears of the Saints by Leland. And it was one of my mom's all time favorite songs. Mm. And she and I both encountered that song while my brother was still yeah. our prodigal, while he was still our wayward son. So we sang that song with him in mind. Yeah. Every time I heard that song, there are tears from the saints for the lost and the unsaved crying for them to come back home. Oh my goodness. That was just our anthem, my family's anthem. Yeah. And it was because of 
my brother. So I, I didn't put that together. Like I knew I was singing that song that Sunday and it made me think about my mom. So I was emotional on that level, but it didn't make me think about my brother until Mm -hmm. that moment in the nine 15 service Mm -hmm. where I felt the still small voice of the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. literally whisper into my head, remember your brother. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that happened, the tide shifted. Like the, it's like a, a, a switch was flipped. And instead of feeling despair at the overwhelming response and the, the sheer amount of names that were written on yeah. those walls, you came up to me after that service. Cause the walls basically filled up, Yeah, filled up, filled up like that first Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, I mean, they're still up there. You can add mm-hmm. a name to the wall, but we were thinking that people would kind of add names to the wall throughout the month. And right. so we're thinking like, uh, do we need to add a third wall? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we got those two big banners. Right. And I was like, oh, this, this could be really embarrassing because we have if two only of, a dozen people. Do yeah. It, we it's have gonna, two of them. And mm-hmm. what if there's like we three go names. a month, a hope month. And it's like, yeah, a yeah. couple <laughs> names up there, but I couldn't have been more wrong. Like, First week, was that when I was camera one? No, no, that was. <laughs> yeah, no, week one. It yeah. was, it, everybody one. just came up immediately. And yeah, there was a line. We had to add a second table for week yeah. two because there was, or for service two, because right. there were so many people it, responding. It showed me so immediately the heart of our people. That's right. Mm. The heart of our people mm. is broken and yearning for their loved ones and their friends and their family members, coworkers, neighbors. They are yearning for their lost ones to be restored to a right relationship with their father, God. It, it just seemed like everyone in the room that day knew somebody who was separated from God and they wanted to be God's ambassador. They wanted to represent their people back to God in yeah. prayer. So it was beautiful to see. But for me in that moment, it was overwhelming to see. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've talked on this, podcast before about the statistics and how bleak they are and um, Mm -hmm. just the decline of the church in general, church attendance, um, the priority of faith in one's life, the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. Like we've, we've talked about all of that for years. Mm -hmm. And now that was just one like visual representation of like, oh my goodness, the need is so great. There are so many people out there that are separated from a relationship with their loving father. And I just, I really did feel hopeless. I really did Mm. feel despair until remember your brother. Mm -hmm. And then it all just flooded in like hope. Whoops. <laughs> what <laughs> just happened? I think. Was that every sound clip at once? I think so. That was a, that was a flood of hope. Um, <laughs> a flood of despair. Why did what that happen? <laughs> wow. That's like a button that does that. Well, I don't know what happened. Okay. But yeah. Flood yeah, of I'm hope. I'm not going to do it again. That um, Sunday, <laughs> this doesn't happen to me very often. After like seeing the people's response and the remember your brother thing, I had to go collect myself Mm. because it was like, I almost couldn't reel myself back in. Mm -hmm. I had to go backstage, but not just backstage because there were lots of people backstage. I had to go to the wood shop and just like collect myself. Oh, really? Huddle Mm -hmm. behind the table saw. 
but just... standing in the wood shop, I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know what I, where I have to go with this message. Yeah. Mm. I have a message of hope. Mm. I'm excited to share it with people. So, all right. I, instead of messing with sound bites, I'm just going to ask you more questions. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> um, in a world where more statistics say that we don't know how to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you mean in um, general? In general. Like yeah. we don't know how to have friends. Yeah. You pointed out that when this lost son came back, it wasn't because somebody argued him mm. his way back. Mm-hmm. Why did you feel like that was important to, cause you repeated it. Yes, I did. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, I did. No, I feel like that. That is one of the most encouraging moments in the parable of the prodigal son. When he came to his senses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm encouraged that no one had to be around for him to come to his senses. Mm-hmm. I'm encouraged. Scripture says no man comes to the father unless the spirit draw him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I picture happening. That this son in Jesus's parable is hitting rock bottom, living lower than the pigs. And even in his utter destitution, he's bottomed out in life. But even at the very bottom, the spirit draws him. Mm -hmm. And I love that um, just kind of through studying the passage and looking at the different words, that word for I will rise up and go to my father, that word for rise up is the same as it is a few chapters later talking about how Jesus will rise again Mm -hmm. on the third day. So it really is. It's like he's saying, I will resurrect and go to my father. Which is what Jesus was saying. Well, that's, that, that's what the word means in the Greek, right? But you can read it as I will rise up and go to my father, or you can read it as I will resurrect and go to my father. So it's death to life. Mm -hmm. I, I read a couple commentaries about whether or not he was, literally starving or whether that was just hyperbole on his part, but. Oh, that was one of my questions. Oh, I, th- I think that he was literally starving. You sure. Do. Yeah. I do because he, he wanted, he yearned for the food of the pigs, but they wouldn't even give him that. So, I mean, how, how hungry do you have to be right. to be eating pig, carob pods, pig pods? Pig pods. I never, I, I had no idea. I had to Google what a carob was. That's just, that's what the actual word is in Greek is, is like carob and it's, a specific plant, which presumably yeah. they just fed to pigs, which knowing pigs, I'm, I guarantee that was not their first choice either. <laughs> yeah. Especially since, sorry, side. Note, no, go for the it. Care center occasionally has like leftover, like expiring produce. Mm-hmm. And so they've set up a little, they call it Barry's farm bin where every week I can come and grab like a bin of like expiring produce and mm-hmm. give it to like the pigs. Well, this time they gave me no joke like a bin full, like 50 pounds of cheese. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think my pigs are going to eat 50 pounds of cheese. I don't think I'm. Yeah. So you it, gave so. it to me. Did I? <laughs> yeah. You, you. Oh yeah. Also some like, some like lunch to, meat and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well you, yeah. you said you'd take it. So semi, semi uh, expired. Anyway. Yeah. That yeah. was what they were feeding the pigs. Um, can I point something out? This just, I find it super interesting about this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it relates more to just how, how we relate to the Bible as like a cross-cultural artifact. Mm-hmm. But um, I read an article in seminary about <clears throat> how uh, this one guy was, uh, this theologian guy was interviewing people in different parts of the world about this story. And the question that he asked them was, why did the son need to return to his father? Mm. Why did he need to go home? He asked that of Americans, American, mm. you know, 
students in seminary or whatever. And they all said, well, obviously verse 13, because he wasted all his money. He wasted all his money. So he had to go home because he was out of money, but he went to Russia and he asked them, why did he have to go home? And they said, oh, because a great famine swept across the land. Mm -hmm. That was their, their obvious reason. That's what it says in in verse 14. And then he went to East Africa and he said, why did he have to go home? And, and, uh, they said, well, because no one gave him anything like that was it. That was the reason it's just so interesting. Each culture sees it in such different things. We see it in terms of, well, he didn't have the financial resources, so he Mm. had to go back home, but they, each one sees it. Russia, they see it more in terms of an unexpected circumstance swept him into just, you know, destitution. And then those in East Africa say, well, the breakdown of community, he was Mm. far from home and no one gave him anything. So he had to go home anyway. It's just interesting. Well, and no one would have had anything to give him if it was a famine. Yeah. Right. Like everybody's affected by a famine, you know? And so even though he was a hired worker feeding this guy's pigs, whatever wages he was making wouldn't even have been enough to buy him food. That's why those carob pods look good to him and he was starving. Yeah. As I was listening to you, I was like, man, I wonder if the famine was like symbolic for his life, but maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. But I was, I was like, I wonder if it's, um, because it's a parable. I wonder if Jesus is saying like, and you pointed it out, like everybody wants to be with you when you've got the money, Mm -hmm. but when it dries up, like it may feel like a famine, like everybody and everything is gone and you're, you're, you're left with nothing. And right. when it becomes every man for himself, yeah. which is what a famine does, you know. And in that world where you're living, I mean, subsistence farming, it's not uncommon every five, six, seven years for there to be a shortage of rain, uh, some sort of disease that comes through the crops, uh, pests, you know, locusts come through or whatever. And suddenly, there's not enough food for anybody. Like it just doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Yeah. Prices go way up. And so that's a normal part of your at least your life you're expected to know what a famine is like. I think for his listeners or original listeners, a famine going across the land, they would have been like, yeah, that's why you can't be unwise and and spend all your money, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, or that's why it's so important to rely on each other to, to, to care for you. Like, yeah, he was an outsider. He had no kinfolk in that area. He was a total stranger. Mm. He'd gone to a distant land. One of the commentaries I, I read said he removed himself from his custom and his yeah. family as far as possible mm. saying that he went to a distant land is like saying he went as far as he could go as far away yeah. as he could go. Right. I have a question for you, Marin. I'm curious if you came across this or if you have an opinion on this, <clears throat> the older brother accuses, he says, my, you know, you're going to throw this party for my younger brother when he squandered all his money on prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't tell us in right. the story that he squandered his money on prostitutes. It just said he's Spent it prodigally. He was yes. just un- unwise with his money. Do you believe that that was slander on the part of the older brother? Do you believe that was Jesus giving us another narrative point of how the younger brother spent his money? How do mm-hmm. you feel that? Where do you think that falls? Um, two things. I think, I think he threw it in there to show us that the father does not care. Mm. The father doesn't care what he spent his money on. Mm. And even to suggest like prostitutes, like so right. scandalous, right. you know? Squandering uh, your money on prostitutes. Prostitutes. The father did not. That yeah. did not matter to the father. So sure. even in the, it's like when I was a little kid, like tattling on my brother. Yeah. And I'm like, whether I'm exaggerating or not, I just my my aim is to infuriate my father. Right. Like, can you believe he did this? Yeah. Right. He did this, <clears throat> but the father doesn't take the bait. 
He doesn't debate with the older brother. He doesn't shut down the party because what? Oh, prostitutes. Oh, I thought he just spent it on, you know, expensive meats, but (laughs) (laughs) prostitutes, that's it. Shut it down. Shut it down. The father doesn't do that. So that is just what we do, son. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one. Oh my goodness. I oh didn't my expect goodness. the sun. It's like, yeah. That's just what we do. You need to sun. send me that so that I can send it to my actual son. Yeah. He will love that. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think we can take from other things that the son says in the heat of the moment. Like, I've done every single thing that you ever asked me to and you never yes. once even gave me. He's being very extreme in the other things he's saying. And so I feel like he's just so packed full of emotion that he just blurts out this son of yours. yours. As in, in other words, like it's not my brother, he's your son. Right. It's like, well, he's also your brother. You just call him (laughs) your brother. Like now it's very possible that like, Somebody saw the sun hanging out in a far off land and came back. Word got back. You know, you know what your son, you know, you hear what your brother's up to. I saw him with some women of questionable reputation. (laughs) Yeah. But. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously this is a parable, so it's not. Absolutely. It's not in there, but I'm still just curious. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to remind us that it is a parable. Yeah. This is a story that Jesus himself is telling and every detail in this story is really important if it came from the mouth of Jesus. Do you think we have done an adequate job of not wanting to see people punished before they're forgiven? Sorry. Not (laughs) wanting to... I feel like I I, Isn't that human nature? This past weekend being like, I kind of want people to be punished before I forgive Mm -hmm. them. Oh, I see what you mean. Well, yeah. So, Barry, you recommended... um, the book, The Prodigal Son by Henry Nowen. The Return of the Prodigal. The Return yeah. of the Prodigal. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it's called? Uh-huh. So I I ordered the book. Yes. But it did not come in time. Okay. Um, so I listened to the audio book. Oh, cool stuff. On my way to and from Chicago. Love it. What was it like? <laughs> um, <laughs> it was it was really cool to listen to Good it. Good way to pregame for the concert. To Right? Yeah. To postgame for the yeah. message I just gave. <laughs> At three in the morning. <laughs> it was cool to hear it after Mm. having swam through some commentaries and sat in this story, steeped in this story. Uh, It was really cool to hear his take on it. For the listeners, what, what this book is, it's, it's Henry Nouwen and he's writing essentially a a meditation on the painting by um, Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Thank you of the return of the prodigal. And he's talking about all the details in it and using that as the way to talk about the story itself and the characters in it. Sorry. That's just context of the book. Yeah. And he just, he just picks the story apart detail by detail, the parable. He picks the parable apart and the painting apart Yeah, detail by detail by detail. But one of the things that I will take away from that book, you know, we tend to identify either with the son Mm -hmm. who squanders all his, like that was me. I was the prodigal or that was me. I am the prodigal. Mm -hmm. Sure. Or we, we identify with the older brother. You know what? I, I am harsh and judgmental. judgmental. Yeah, I am. But we're called to become more like the father. Mm -hmm. Ultimately that's the aim. And so that's to answer your question. Yeah. Yeah. It's in our human nature to want retribution or, vengeance or some sort of satisfaction yeah. that we were right. Yeah, I told I get to you, see you never should have run off, yeah. you know, now. Yeah. You, well, 
I, I touched on this ever so briefly in the message, but he would have been ceremonially unclean coming back from feeding pigs. So there would have been a whole host of hoops for him to jump through yeah. to go through the process of being cleansed and, you know, for him to even be welcomed back home. And so the scandal of the father's embrace, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's the first scandalous thing is that he touches him, kisses him, and then throws him a party, you yeah. know? So there are no hoops. And we're having a resurrection party in here. That's what they were doing. <laughs> there were no hoops to jump through. They just went ahead and threw a resurrection party. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's incredibly scandalous yeah. and incredibly challenging to me as a listener it's probably incredibly comforting to many other people, even the people in his audience that day, those notorious sinners, those men and women of questionable reputation. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they just sat in awe. I wonder if they identified immediately in that moment with the prodigal. Yeah. And I wonder if if the Pharisees identified in that moment with the elder brother. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that... You, you talked about the context where he tells two other stories. He mm-hmm. tells the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost sheep. In both of those stories, I mean, the sheep has some will, but they're kind of inanimate objects where the person is going looking for right. and bringing back. Right. But the prodigal son story, you have the son who's making a choice to go back to the father. Right. And yet, if you really think about the stories, all three of them, it's the action of the father or the action of the person that's doing the seeking that actually restores the relationship. Yes, the son returned home, but it was the father who ran to meet him on the mm-hmm. road, the father who welcomed him back, who restored his mm-hmm. dignity and his life and all of that. Yeah. And so in all three stories, it's it's interesting. It's like, that's the character of our God who goes goes looking, who goes seeking that which, which is lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just who, when you finally get your, come to your senses and come back to me, we'll have a talking to, and then yeah. I'll be like, all right, right, you're fine. That's why one of my favorite lines in the whole story is while he was still afar off, yeah. while he was still a long ways off, it would have been so easy for Jesus to say, and then the son approached the door. And with trembling hands. Yeah. He, you know, or the father stood <laughs> and watched as his son approached. Arms crossed. He didn't wait. Right. You you see the um, the urgency with which the father runs to his son. And again, if it's coming from the mouth of Jesus, every detail is important. So why would he have the father cast aside his own dignity mm-hmm. and run to his son? Another thing I felt while listening is that I don't do a good enough job celebrating people returning to God after I feel like they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Not just like coming to faith, mm-hmm. but like, Somebody that's like makes a life change, like say they already believe in God or whatever, but they're just making a better life decision that turns them toward God or like get closer to God. Like, I don't, I don't know that I celebrate that, those types of decisions. Like they could be walking away, but turning back. I don't know that I, I mean, I obviously celebrate baptisms and like those moments, but I don't know that like my day to day life, like when I see somebody making a decision after making a bad decision that turns away from God and they, now they're making a decision that turns them toward God. I don't mm-hmm. know that I, is your default to be like, yeah, but you're going to make that bad decision yeah. again. I'm yeah. Like, well, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and my final question about this story is, do you think this story has a happy ending? 
Mm, like what happens to the brother? Well, yeah, like it just kind of ends. It's like the father is like, yeah, this is my son and yeah. we're going to have a party. It never says like the older brother was like, okay. Right. Like it, yeah. it just kind of ends. So I, after finishing the sermon, I was like, wait, I kind of feel like there's some un yeah. unsaid <laughs> stuff. Like we got to figure out the older brother part too. Well, yeah, the story starts with a lost son and it ends with a lost son, with a lost son yeah. yes. out in the cold outside of the, the, the presence of away from the presence of his father. Yeah. He never goes back with into a the choice. Party. Does yes. he? Yeah. It's just that, that invitation is just left hanging there. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it ends with a happy ending in that they were going to celebrate anyway. Mm -hmm. Even if the son did not choose to come in, they were still having a resurrection party <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they were still going to celebrate. And a son was still fully restored mm -hmm. to his rights as son and everything that came with it. There, there's nothing that the actions of the older brother can do to take away from that awesome moment of celebration. Yeah. So in that, in that way, it has a happy ending, mm -hmm. but we will always be left with the cliffhanger of yeah. what did yeah. the son, what did the older son decide to do? It's a very sad ending. If he just stays outside and sure. doesn't come in, that's a yeah. very sad ending for him. But if you imagine the other possibility, let's say he does, repent, turn around, go back into the party. What's the father going to do? He's going to be like, Oh, let's open up another bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's going to yeah. be so excited. Get the other fatted calf, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, and I don't know you, you were gone when I preached on Jacob and Esau. Yeah. But there's the image of Esau running to his brother Jacob in the same manner and mm. throwing his arms around his neck and kissing mm. him. Oh, where, I didn't ever catch that, that parallel. Oh, it's yeah. the exact same imagery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would like to think, you know, it took, it took Esau a couple of years. Mm -hmm. He didn't immediately, yeah. you know, he kind of wanted to kill his brother for a couple of years <laughs> yeah. there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'd like to think that the two prodigal sons yeah. had a moment like Jacob and Esau. Jacob had to have his, had to have, had to wrestle with God and have, have a permanent limp before Correct. he came to his senses. But right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Uh, where do we go next? Like we've got one week left in hope month. And then we, then what we do we do the service. Yeah. Weekend of service is the weekend after this one. Yeah. So I am going to try to kind of land the, the plane. What's it? What's not a trilogy with four. What would it be? A quadrinity quadri Nothing. The fourth of the God rule. There it is. Of the four <laughs> weeks. I'm going to try to land the plane. Um, here's how I'm kind of thinking of it. Week one was sort of explaining like what, where are we in this whole situation? What's going on? What are we up against? The credibility gap and, and what is God's call on us? Week two, what's the grand story of redemption? How, how does this, well, essentially week one is us. It's mm -hmm. like, what's, what's our job week two is, and what has God done yeah. and is he doing? And then week three is, and who is our God and what's his heart? And why would he do those things? And week four is okay. Coming back around to us. How do we then like, we've talked a lot about actions. We've talked a lot about what we do, how we mm -hmm. live out the values of the kingdom, but there will come a time to speak. Mm -hmm. And when that time to speak comes, what do we say? How yeah. do we speak about mm -hmm. what God has done? How do we speak to those who are our ones who are lost? And that's kind of where I'm going to be taking right. this. So, and that's why I said the thing about not arguing them back into the kingdom. Right. Um, because how do we speak? It's, 
it's it's not us who draws a person to repentance, but yeah. it's the spirit himself. So right. that's why I said that. Um, one more story just to wrap up this message. I talked about interviewing my brother um, when God said, remember your brother. Mm-hmm. That was a awesome reminder to call my brother and to ask him if I could use part of his story. And I just took a ton of notes that happened on a Saturday night, um, two Saturdays ago. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. I got all this cool stuff, cool stuff, cool stuff from my brother. <laughs> and then the following morning, Sunday morning, I was on my way here to church, but I was live streaming my sister's church in North Carolina. And they are both married to pastors who serve in the same church. Both my sisters happened to be leading worship that day. So that was super cool for me to see. But one of their husbands, my brother-in-law, Eric, got up in the middle of the worship set. Like they were in the middle of singing a song. And then there was kind of this lull in the music. And my brother-in-law got up and he just felt pressed on his spirit to share a little bit of his testimony. My brother-in-law, Eric, had way more run-ins with the law than my brother Jason did. Um, he had a probably a way bigger drug problem than my brother Jason did. But he told his congregation Sunday morning, just hours after I talked to my brother, he told his congregation that God's light, God's love invaded his life hmm. when he wasn't looking for it. And he said again and again, I never once prayed some kind of God, where are you? God, I need your help kind of prayer. Right. I wasn't looking for it at all, but it invaded. He, he came and invaded my life. He said, I think it's because I had a praying mom. And my mom called on the church to pray for her lost son. And I think God just said, you know what? I'm, I'm sick of hearing your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you said uh, that. I didn't see it going there. I'm sick of hearing your mom. Fine. Fine. He he compared that to the parable of the persistent widow. Yeah. That if a unjust judge would give this woman what she's asking for after pleading and pleading and pleading, how much more will a good God or good father give you what you ask for? If you ask, seek, knock, keep asking, keep seeking, be persistent essentially. And so then he went on to share that his sister, was his one. And he used that language. I thought that was like Grace Church language, but (laughs) it's out there. He used the phrase. He used the phrase, she was my one. And she has since, you know, come around to having relationship with God. And so now I've moved on to my brother. He is my one. And I will keep storming the gates of heaven or however he put it until my brother comes into the kingdom. And so he encouraged his entire church to just get that name, get that one. Wow. And, and to pray. And so now I've, I've heard a story like that mm-hmm. from my brother, mm-hmm. from the names that they wrote down at their church. And then here, obviously, like we just did that. And then to hear it from the mountains of North Carolina, yeah, it, mm-hmm. we're not comparing notes. We're not calling each other as siblings on the weekend going, so what's your church talking about? Right. I think there is a movement. Did you let them know that we have a trademark though? I did. <laughs> okay. No, I would never do that. I think that there's a movement. Yeah. yeah. I think that there's a, I think that there's a movement and I, I hesitate to use the word revival because I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I have a little bit of PCSD associated with that mm-hmm. word. However, mm-hmm. I really feel like there is going to be a revival across this nation as more and more prodigals like my brother 
find emptiness in the path that they've chosen. Hmm. All of the nuns that we have, the mass exodus of people deconstructing their faith, when they find themselves, you know, wishing that they had carob pods to eat or yeah. whatever. Yeah, when they come when to their they senses. When they come to their senses by the kindness and the goodness and the love of the Holy Spirit who will draw them, mm. they will come home. Are we going to receive them? How are we going to receive them? I do believe that it is happening, and I do believe that we will only see more of it but we have to be ready to receive them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's coming next. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So we've got one week and then weekend weekend of service service. where, I don't know. I mean, we get to go out into the community and exhibit hope and love to people um, as a, as a, as a church community uh, in, in serving them, listening to them and praying for them. So, um, yeah, just, I've been, I've been thinking about, been thinking about this and it's, it's super encouraging to hear your message, Marin, because it's like, I hang out with friends who are anti church or God or whatever. And it is very easy to be like, well, this is never going to mm. happen. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, this, this sermon and I think all three weeks really has been like, well, it's not, it's really not up to me, mm-hmm. but, um, imagine one of those friends being a second grade small group leader yeah, <laughs> at a church can't even, singing yeah, and yeah. dancing with second graders. Yeah. That's what happened in my brother's life. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. Really crazy. Yeah. I right. cannot emphasize enough. Like, no one would have ever believed that this would have even have been possible. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But it's possible because hope is alive because God is alive. Yeah. Cool stuff. <laughs> All right, uh, Marin, will you please send us out? I got to scroll through my eight pages of uh, sound bites, but will you, will you please send us out for this sure. week? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 